With your host, Spike Cullen. Yes! Yes! It's me! Happy 2020! Yes, it's me! Keep clapping! Clap for a Ukrainian Christmas miracle. How would we know you wanted a Christmas miracle in the Ukraine if you didn't keep clapping? Welcome to my fellow Americans. I am literally Spike Cohen. Thank you for tuning in to this very special holiday episode with me, Spike Cohen. And Happy New Year! I pray that 2020, and this entire decade for that matter, is your best one yet. This is a Muddied Waters Media production, and a great one is that, at that, obviously. Highest highest values at all times. Uh, check us out on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Anchor, Twitter, Periscope, iTunes, Google Play, Float. Check us out everywhere. Be sure to like us, follow us, five-star us. Hit the bell, if applicable. There's probably a bell. Um, be sure to share this right now. Uh, it's a roughly hour-long Libertarian podcast, and the last thing we want is for your closest friends and loved ones to miss out on a roughly hour-long Libertarian podcast on a Wednesday night. Uh, give the gift of Spike Cohen today. Kids love it. This episode is brought to you by the Libertarian Dad Bod Calendar, featuring the most sexy Libertarian men, including that sexy Libertarian beast you see in front of you right now. Uh, available for the low, low price of $12, including shipping. Uh, you can get that on libertariandadbod.com. It's also, this episode is also brought to you by the Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus, the fastest-growing food service-related caucus in the Libertarian Party. Be sure to go to Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus group uh, on Facebook and check us out. Uh, this is also brought to you by Fakertarians, uh, the Mike Shipley for LNC Chair campaign, and... Libertarian memes for neoliberal teens. It's also brought to you by the Merry Toothbrush campaign, which is a campaign to help both the Vermin Spike 2020 campaign and the Dignity Ministry, which is a local ministry helping the homeless in the Myrtle Beach area. And of course, this episode and everything else on Muddy Waters Media is brought to you by the Vermin Spike 2020 campaign. I'd like to... Uh, oh, intro and outro music to this and every episode of My Fellow Americans is from the amazing and talented Mr. Joe Davi. That's J-O-D-A-V-I. Check him out on Facebook, SoundCloud. Go to joedavimusic.bandcamp.com. Buy his entire discography uh, for it's like 20 bucks. You'll be so happy. I'd like to thank Kroger for this delicious festive water that I'm drinking on this episode. Oh, that's delicious Kroger water. Bulavanaka. Shout out to Tanner Turks' mom. And as always, guys... Tonight is going to be a lot of fun, now that I've actually fixed everything. Uh, I'm kind of sad that I didn't get to spend the holidays with you and yours, um, because we had to spend the holidays with ours and us, and so uh, we missed out on the last two or three weeks of uh, episodes, uh, but fear not, I came up 
with a great way to get around that and for us to be able to spend this special time together uh, by basically harassing Sam for the better part of four weeks. Uh, and so I was able to come up with this, a very Coppinger Christmas, Ukrainian Christmas. And uh, this is going to be a very fun thing tonight. I'm going to get to spend some holiday time with you guys. Uh, but so without any further ado, since you already had me waste time for a few minutes trying to figure out how to make the internet work, allow me to introduce my guest for tonight. Guest number one, he is the uh, one of the founders and the admin of Fakertarians. He is Mr. John Hudak. And then, of course, is uh, a man that is currently running for the Libertarian National Committee's uh, chairmanship position. He is Mr. Mike Shipley. And last but not least, the special guest of the night, the man of the hour, if you will. He is, you either love him or hate him, and we love him here. He is the founder, head, and admin of uh, Libertarian Memes for neoliberal teams. He is Mr. Sam Coppinger. Gentlemen, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Thanks for, for having us. us. We do our best. Okay, well, good. Um, guys, uh, be sure to leave your uh, questions and thoughts, and I and the guests will tell you if you are right and wrong. Be sure to leave your roasts as well for Sam, because we'll be doing a roast at the end of this. Um, so, guys, did you uh, did you guys have good holiday? John, Mike, Sam, did you, did you guys have a good holiday season? It was nice, relaxing. You had a good time? Did you stay in town or you went out of town? Me personally, I stayed. Cool, cool. Mike, you had a good good holiday season? It was fantastic. Good, good. Now, Sam, you, of course, are an African-American. Did you enjoy your Kwanzaa? Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. No, I had, a, I had a great holiday. I've taken many days off from work, and just uh, yesterday I got back from Mexico City my girlfriend and I went there for like about five days. We left on the 26th and got back yesterday. So that was, that was really fun. Oh, wow. That's really cool. And of course, ladies and gentlemen, this is the seventh and last day of Kwanzaa. It's called Imani, the day of faith. Imani. Now, uh, guys, we're going to start off with something. Uh, for those of us who uh, don't celebrate any of the major holidays, uh, in keeping with the festivist, uh, the, the, the festivist tradition, we are starting with an airing of grievances. And uh, that will be where each of you uh, get a chance to air your grievances against each other, against me, against the world. You can spend as much time as you want on this uh, and, uh, and really just get it out there and, uh, and share what you've get kept pent up for the last, I guess, decade, since we're in a new decade now. So just get your old decade out and then we can start afresh. Um, and we'll start with, uh, I guess, John. Okay, so who, who should I start with here? Whoever you want. Um, I, I guess I can go with Sam. Um, maybe that time Sam called me a conservative, even though he has Reagan memorabilia in his room. Or uh, the time Sam helped us out with a fakertarian March Madness bracket and uh, ended up telling one of our admins to go sodomize himself with a bayonet. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Only you guys wasted like probably four hours of my time making that just to end up using it to troll me with. So <laughs> it's true. Okay, and uh, and Mike, your uh, your grievances for the for the past decade. 
So, uh, <laughs> Sam, my main grievance with you is that um, you don't even actually engage with who we are. You engage with your own cartoon version of who you think we are because that's easier for you to like understand and criticize. And um, I have a problem with that because it's so difficult to kind of be speaking at cross purposes with you all the time because I'm constantly having to like cover the flank of this cartoon image of me in addition to like actually defending what I'm saying to you. And so, you know, it's not like I'm not an expert in having to do that to deal with you at this point, but you know, it's it's just a lot more effort than it needs to be. So that's my grievance. And John, all those times my name was on Fakertarians, I forgive you. <laughs> that, okay, and so that was you would surprise. I thought. Uh, uh, Mike and John would have more grievances against each other. It's going to be a much shorter episode uh, than I thought it would be. Sam, uh, your chance to uh, air your grievances. My primary grievance with Faker Harriets is that you are wonderful at calling out literal neo-Nazis and white supremacists and the like like that, but the average person already understands well enough that people like that are not to be trusted or listened to or given the time of day, so it really becomes ultimately sort of unnecessary to say that. And honestly, I've always thought that the optics of calling out such blatantly white supremacist people are strange because it's like, the fact that we it looks as if we need to tell libertarians that these are not good people and they would not already know that they are not good people. So where I think the effort should be more expended toward is people like Tom Woods. And you're maybe starting to approach that angle of criticism, but most of the time you're you're skeptical toward going after people like that. Uh, Mike, you, I, you probably know my criticism, but I just think that you're absolutist approach and your the audacious kind of branding is not going to win us over with the general public anytime soon is therefore going to make it more difficult for us to win elections and actually achieve the kind of change that all three of us want to achieve it's my primary criticism of each of you okay now i was fully expecting someone to air a grievance no one has grievances against me Spike, your audio, you gotta fix the audio or I'm gonna... Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's your grievance, is my audio? Your audio is very bad. Oh, good. So, uh, let me see. So while you I, fiddle around with that, can I ask for clarification? Because I do have some notes for Hudak, but they're like, I thought I was gonna get to roast him too, and so they're funny. <laughs> they're not grievances, they're jokes, but I want to make sure I get to tell my jokes. Oh, wait, no. They no, don't make sense. Until uh, I roast Sam first. Okay, well, let, let me let me just go ahead and say so. During the roast, you can actually it's like a regular roast, like 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 the Friars Club roast. You can actually roast anyone you want. Sam's the primary recipient, but you can actually roast anyone you want. But you can also you can also see clarification. So, no one had any grievances against me except for my audio, which apparently there's nothing I can do about. Um. So, I will let. No one, John, no one really, like, said anything. Oh, no, John, uh, you can respond to what Sam said. Yeah, what Sam said. I mean, I feel like those people do need to be called out because they, it seemed like they were getting a place in the movement, at least at one point. I mean, it's kind of died down a little bit, 
but I mean, people like Invictus and Cantwell and all of them actually like had some support. Like, I mean, how, for one, how depressing is that? Oh yeah, they it's absolutely depressing. Literally any degree of support whatsoever, but it's like the. I feel like the the people who don't already know that those people are just absolutely, completely irredeemably bad. It shouldn't. We shouldn't even be trying to like resuscitate them within the Liberty Movement. We should just be trying to like get rid of them entirely. Because if they don't understand why Christopher Cantwell is bad, they don't belong here and will never belong here. So it's. Just... I mean, I get your point on Cantwell, but I feel like there's some other people that are kind of a little more dog whistly with it and i mean you, obviously you take it further than i do but i still think there's some people in between cantwell and woods or something like that 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 kind of need to be rebuffed like i, I mean i suppose like i like i said i think it's unnecessary but i mean you could do that my main criticism is that you just don't extend that toward like people like woods or rothbard except for saying we don't talk about late Roth, late well, rothbard. We, well, we should <laughs> <laughs> It, late, late Rothbard and early Rothbard are not two different people, and like, well, yeah. your, your fellow but admin, you can... Randy, knows that Rothbard was never like this angelic being from the early days I, anyway. I'm not there saying was he's this common stream. I'm, saying, I'm saying that he has a decent philosophy to follow. I mean, the guy doesn't have to be a saint. The, the fact that a philosophy, or at least as you present it, because you're so resistant to it, let go of Rothbard. It, it would give the appearance that the ideology is so frail that it can't stand without the contributions of a white supremacist, and that reflects pretty poorly on the ideology. I mean, but I think it's because the ideology was kind of... I mean, anarcho-capitalism was started by him, and it had nothing to do with white supremacy. It had to do with self-ownership, the non-aggression principle, all of that. That may be... may be true, but it's hard to show that to somebody if if you say oh uh, you know this is my ideology is anarcho-capitalism and then the, if they take it upon themselves to look into it or anything and oh it's founded by this guy murray rothbard let me who's that and they find you know his stuff from the 90s about racial iq statistics and stuff they're going to conclude that hey if this ideology was started by this guy who is a white supremacist this is probably going to be an ideology that is at, at the very least highly compatible with white supremacy. I mean, that's why I'm saying I'm not sharing his stuff from the 90s. I'm sharing his stuff from earlier. He, I mean, he he created alliances with a lot of different groups, and he was obviously wrong to do that. But, I mean, he tried to appeal to the paleos in the 90s. As did Ron Paul and many other people. But that's the, that's the problem, is that you can't just pretend that that didn't happen, or you can't just ignore that it didn't happen. And if somebody looks into Murray Rothbard, they're going to find that. And any normal person is going to conclude if he held these views there is probably at least the kindling of that earlier on in his life as well and that that probably manifested itself in his works in some way but i don't think white supremacy does manifest itself in self-ownership that's going to be hard to tell other people everybody already thinks normal libertarians are white supremacists and racists as it is well i mean that's that's the point of the page in the first place i mean is to shut those types of people down yeah but i just wanted to jump in i think part of the big problem is that rothbard himself went out of his way to match up his ideas with white supremacy so he could build those paleo bridges so he's out i mean like i can sympathize with the idea of having a really problematic figure who's considered a foundational thinker because you know that happens to ideologies yeah. but 
I also don't know how sweeping that under the rug is helpful. I wouldn't right? say I'm sweeping it. I mean, I I reject. We a don't lot of talk this. about late late rock. Well, no, that's not sweeping it. We don't talk. I mean, about like, it. it's, it's saying we don't. We're not into that kind of stuff. Like, it like would be like saying before that. We don't talk yeah, about how... late. Like, we don't talk about late marks. Guess what? We have to talk about that. And in like, talking I've... about that, we have to say this was abhorrent. And well, no, it's I've not never, okay. I've never I... seen like maybe what you interpret we don't talk about late Rothbard as is different than what I and I would presume most people think of it as. What I hear I That's we fair. don't talk about late Rothbard, I hear we don't want to talk about it because it's embarrassing and it's it's just a topic we'd rather not think about. Maybe you think of it as we don't talk about it as in we don't engage in the kind of things he was talking about that's, in, that's exactly later in his life. I don't support the like changed in borders. I mean the I mean the change in the position yeah, on borders. Okay. So that's that's something that I didn't realize that you viewed that statement in a different way than yeah, no, it's, myself I mean, it's just and a I think most them. people. But, well, I know it's like mostly a joke anyway, but it's just, it gets at a reality. And to me, and I would assume Mike and to most people, we don't talk about it. It seems like we know it's there and we know it's a problem, but it's embarrassing and we just don't want to talk about it. So we're going to just, just push it in the closet and I'm ignore fine. it. I'm fine, with, I'm fine with talking about it. You don't okay, see, very much on your page. great. This is a great thing that just happened. We've agreed that we're gonna that late Rothbard is bad, and that we can reference that it's bad. So that's that's a Ukrainian Christmas miracle that just happened, folks. <laughs> Mike, you had a couple. You had a grievance of uh, from against uh, from Sam um, that you were an absolutist and uh, and some other stuff. Do you have a, a rebuttal? response to that well i think it goes back to my grievance with sam which was that he's engaging with a cartoon version of what he thinks that i'm saying or that i stand for um there is no absolutist like audacious presentation and this actually came up in a thread yesterday which is that i don't remember how it started but sam said something of like i think polyamory and you know, all, all of these things, the long hair and all these things he associates with like a hippie personality are bad. And I thought it, like how, what a tiny little box the audacious sort of viewpoint would be in if that's like all it was. It's not about an obligatory performance. And this is what I said, of stereotypically deviant social roles. It's a state of mind. And it's more about, in fact, when we get to the roast, um, I'm going to reflect your own audacity back to you because uh, I don't think that you quite realize what it is to have been in conflict with the status quo your entire life for an inherent aspect of who you are. And when you have to live through that for barely 21 years, 25 max, right? Um, however many years I've been alive, um, you get to the point where you literally don't have time to care what the people who are trying to put you in a box think about you. You don't have time for that because it's going to kill you if you try to make everybody happy. You literally can't do that. So the audacious spirit is really about claiming the fact that I can't control your reaction to me because your reaction to me is your problem. And that's where the sort of audacity comes from. And the reason why that matters to the Libertarian Party is that we are not a mainstream party right now. We are an underdog party. 
And if you can't grasp the fact that you have to rock that boat in order to like sail the ship somewhere else than it is right now, then you're missing a really critical aspect of, of the work that's ahead of us. There is no way out of this problem without rocking the boat. That has to happen. So that is kind of what the audacious spirit is saying. It's not saying that if you are someone for whom suits and ties come naturally, that you should like go put on a thong and like dance around in it. No, you shouldn't because you're not going to be able to like own that, right? But if you are somebody who can do that, then you should, right? And we all have different talents and different things that we bring to the table. But the point is that we have to bring them like in their fullness. And I'll just stop right there because I have another whole narrative about you. <laughs> Sam <laughs> responds to that. To oh, no, sorry. With it. Sam responds. Well, for one, it's Mike. I feel like, uh, like a lot of by criticism of the audacious caucus i feel like you take personally as criticism of you and more it's really more criticism of like james and clayton and people like that who do seem to hold the view that being libertarian is just being eccentric and libertine and acting like a fool and so well i didn't mean to cut you off finish your thought that you can go ahead well, I mean, speaking of late Rothbard and the paleo theory, um, the entire idea that... Oh, Siri thinks I'm talking to her. Hold on. <laughs> Siri just Googled paleo for us. All right. Uh, <laughs> it, specifically, non-conforming identities, the hippies, the bohemians, those were uh, not to mention racial minorities and gender and sexual minorities. These were the people that the paleos thought were embarrassing libertarians in front of their right wing friends. So if you want to move away from the paleo philosophy, you have to recognize that that sort of free spiritedness was encoded into the libertarian movement from the beginning. And it was sort of blocked out on purpose as part of paleo so you know i i get it you weren't there when we founded the caucus and you know that caucus is not all of my work either in fact a lot of the people in the caucus you could benefit from recognizing that they have full bodies at work that are beyond the scope of just the audacious caucus but uh we were looking at these paleo writings and trying to figure out ways to sort of smash through the you know, the, the kind of hegemony that it held over the libertarian imagination. Like there was a time that you did not deviate from that paleo narrative or you were a social justice commie. I mean, all the stuff still that pretty much now, how it is. Well, it's not, though. It's it comes from it's now just just another faction. But there was a time when that was like the whole narrative. And so we got, by the way, we got to this point partly because Audacious was successful in smashing through it. So the fact that you can sit on a podcast tonight and say that and not get shouted out of the party is standing on the backs of that work. It's a bold move to assume that I don't have people shouting me out of the party already. Well, you're in the party and... In fact, I've defended you from being here. I'm one of the people that has embraced you more than others. Well, so you were talking about how it's like the paleo narrative that we have to act a certain way to avoid alienating others. And on that raw of a basis, I don't disagree with that thesis. I only disagree with it to the ends that the paleos think that the included behavior that we must 
uh, you know, stay true to is solely heterosexuality and whiteness and things like that. I disagree with that those are pieces that we need to comply with, but not that there... I, I don't disagree that there is some behaviors and actions that we should generally conform with, like not stripping at a national convention. That's substantively different than saying we shouldn't have gay people in the party. I'm going to bring you a tuxedo thong and give it to you in Austin. You're not probably not going to be there. You're not going to be in Austin? What? How are you not going to be in Austin? How am I supposed to get like time off work and pay to go there? It's I can't go there. Sam, you just went to Mexico, Sam. Yeah, GoFundMe. Yeah, that's the reason I can't go now for Austin. Who's starting the GoFundMe? John, are you going? John, are you going to Austin? I hope to. I'm a little short on on money right now at the moment too, but I I definitely hope to make it. Well, I know so Mike's. You both know if you can just get there, the Pobertarians have crash space and food. So all you need is your plane ticket. That's good to know. It's less about money and more about time off for me. And like, I only get for one. I don't even know if I'm going to be in the, my current job by the time that Austin is. I, I want to get a new job anyway, so I don't know how that's going to work with time off or whatever. But even at my current job, I only get a certain number of days off a year, and it's like. Sorry, but if I get days off, I'd rather like you know go on a vacation with my girlfriend somewhere than go hang out with a bunch of libertarians in so a you love us, Sam. hot hotel room. Sam, yes, Sam, you do. You Sam, to- Sam. How if you don't come to Austin? How are you going to vote for me and Vermin as president and vice president? <laughs> mm. Yeah, that's and a tough me. one. Yeah, and Mike. How are you going to vote for Mike? How how are you like, going to write in Bill Welt? Yeah, not anymore. Are you gonna not anymore? <laughs> Reagan, then. There you go. Sure. Good. Speaking he speaking of of racist. Delegate vote for Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan. But not late Ronald Reagan. Only early Ronald Reagan. We don't talk about late Ronald Reagan. Right. So yeah, the drug war. Sam I don't think Ronald Reagan would have remi- uh, remembered late Ronald Reagan. Oh, that's fair. The first first roast of the night of Ronald Reagan. Um, Sam, now there was a uh, uh, Mike uh, said uh, something to you, and I'm trying to remember what it was. Oh, that you are presenting a caricature of the audacious people and so forth. So, do you have a rebuttal to that? Sorry, Mike. Well, go ahead. Yeah, it's like I was saying. It's because of the people like James and Clayton that that act like like Mike. Mike was saying I portray or I, I react to a cartoonish interpretation of the the caucus, and I probably left libertarianism in general. It's because of people. I don't. Clayton's not even left, is he? Isn't he an ancap? Anyway, it's because of the, because of the way that people like he and like James act. They act cartoonishly. It's like they seem to really get off on that about acting like like idiots because it's like oh, just it's a countercultural kind of you know go against the grain kind of a thing. So it's okay, like okay, for, for, first of all, how dare you pretend that we act cartoonishly? How yeah, dare you? Minute. How dare you, sir? Sorry, go ahead. It's like <laughs> it's, it's not a straw man if if. You know, the guy's literally made of straw. It's like there's people acting like like James and like Vermin, and then it's like you're gonna tell me not to portray them as a, a as cartoonish. It's like they're doing I, it themselves. 
Yeah, Sam, I am going to tell you that because you understand the, the tactical value of performance art. When someone like that does a thing that they're doing, they're not doing it because Clayton Hunt wants you to think of him in a Liberty Torch, you know, waving a Hillary flag at Bill Weld. It's not like about the literal interpretation. It's about the impact on the viewer. So I'm not asking and the you to impact like, on the going. viewers. Wow, these libertarians are a bunch of idiots, aren't they? No. Well, I mean, it's like a banana duct taped to a wall. There are people who think it's absurd, and there were people who thought that was brilliant. There's like 99% uh, of the population thinks think it's absurd. 0.8% thinks it's it's funny, ironically, and then 0.2% thinks it actually has any kind of artistic value. Well, guess what? That scarcity made it a six-digit value art piece. So there's that. Okay, also... We need, we need votes, not money. Also, the last person who was elected president, who is the current president, is a loud, bright orange man who talks at a low scream and gold plates everything. So I'm, I'm just... And, I mean, yeah, he wears a suit, but so does Vermin. So I'm... I'm, I'm if, if there were ever any, any doubt that a, someone presenting themselves as a buffoon uh, can get elected... Uh, on, on the on the federal level, I, I think that's been thoroughly dispatched at this point. I would argue he succeeded because he, despite living in a golden penthouse in New York City, he acts and speaks and th thinks exactly the way that the average sixty-year-old white American father thinks and acts. He has the same level of proud ignorance of the world and all people that are unlike him and the accompanying fear and hatred that goes with it and they saw themselves in him and they loved that it's not because well, it is because he's politically incorrect as well because so are they they think that it's it's foolish to care about any any the rights or dignity of anybody other than straight white men and they like that he does not care about anybody other than that as well. But the, that's the, why he was successful, not because he was. I, I didn't say it was because he looked that way. I said it was despite the fact that he looked that way. So, yes, you are correct in what you just said. Ultimately, because they agreed with his message, they looked past his image, and that's the point we're making. I don't making. think it was anything for them to even look past, though. They, like there was, what? Like his hair looks stupid. It's like I mean, what? What is? He's he hasn't been, done anything that's like on par with you know stripping or waving dildos or anything like that. It's just he's been the punchline to late night TV since before I was a kid. Yeah, but the kind of people that voted for him don't care about anything like that. And like, like they're not. It's not something they're looking past. They just don't even notice it because it's what they do too. The way that he acts and that late night makes fun of him for is just the same way that they act. No, so it's not even no, anything for them they, to look past. They're just. It's looking in a mirror for them. They don't gold plate their toilets. They, they. I'm not talking about the things he says. I'm talking about the way he conducts himself as a person. They couldn't afford to try to do the things he did, and and and, and if if they if if they could, I doubt they most of them would. I, I I think we're talking past each other a little because I'm not trying to say they looked at this you know orange loud guy and said yeah I like orange loud guys. They looked past the looked past the image because they liked the message. And in fact, if anything, that image 
is what gave him 99.9% name recognition. And it, when you have a situation where 47% of eligible voters don't vote because they think the entire thing's a joke, having most people that watch my show aren't libertarians. They're someone who thinks it's fun to watch a guy dress up in his mom's Christmas vest and a, and a you know and and reindeer antlers and it gets them in That's long a, enough. To- a election winning coalition there. Well, Sam, I I'm going to jump in, though, because nobody thought racists, well, other than late Rothbard, thought that racists were a winning coalition either. But somehow Trump very well knew that racism was a winning coalition. The Republican Party's known that since 1964 and the Democratic Party knew it for 300 years earlier than that. Well, yeah, but not the kind of people that Trump brought out. Everybody looked at that movement and was like disgusted and could not believe that there were that many of them that he could win. And guess what? There really were. And so I hate to make that comparison like now that we all have the image of how gross those people were, right? Because now I'm going to say there's probably just as many free-spirited people out there, if not more, who can resonate with something else. And I'd rather bring libertarians out of the woodwork than right-wing populists. If you think I mean, there are as many queer interpretive dance artists in America as there are racists, you have a misguided view of the country. Well... We're not talking. Okay, so this was a subset of racists, right? So, because there are a lot of them that are Democrats and don't even know that they're racist. Uh, like but, overtly racist. The the progressive brand of racism is more subtle and unintentional. Right. Okay. So we just need the the defiant, free spirited types who just want to live their life and you know enjoy their special delights and be left alone. And there are lots of people who've lived through a countercultural phase in their life or are still living through it now. They vote too. Or they Something would. That's if they hilarious they about libertarians, specifically like anarchists on both sides of the spectrum, is that they assume that non voters are just sitting back, watching in detail at every election and saying, I don't like any of these because they're all the same and we need just something different and fresh and I'm just burnt out on the current parties and that's why I don't vote. They don't vote because they're first-generation immigrants or they they work three jobs or they just don't have time to watch the news or they're not interested or they just it's like libertarians always act as if non-voters are totally engaged with what's going on but just don't like any of the current options that are waiting for something different to arise that's not what it is people who don't vote just don't pay attention to politics at all don't know who we are we'll never know who we are and we would not appeal to them any more than anybody else does they're just inherently almost inherently not voters they would take a miracle to get them actually engaged the vast majority of them so how do you get their attention by looking just like everybody else, exactly. or by looking different, you don't get attention. You don't get their attention at all. The only people, and if you get their attention, it's like somebody like Trump, who's just so so shocking. But that's not going to make exactly. them want to vote for you just because you're. Sh- <laughs> Even if you could get their attention, that's not going to inherently make them want to vote for you. But it at least gets their attention. And for a party that you know is, you know, freaking jumping for joy that they got three point two six percent or whatever in the last election. Getting even a good chunk of that 47% to even look at you in the first place is a, a victory in and when of it's itself. A, when it's a negative look that makes them think, look at you, at, uh, they never saw you before, but now they see you and they say, wow, those guys are even stupider than I thought. Well, it's- no, you just need to get somebody 
out in front of the camera in addition to, so in addition, our down ticket candidates or our party officers who are actually able to own a narrative like that and frame it in a positive light who can take advantage of a situation like that. And that's gold. It's... It isn't like people, even if people say that they hate politicians, like we know that Congress has a 10% approval rating. Everybody says that they hate politicians and they say they hate, you know, the yes or no questions that don't get a yes or no answer. They get three sentences of exposition instead. Everybody says that they hate that. But these are the people who win elections or are the people who, who do this. That There's a reason that the exact same kind of politicians are the one who win elections over and over because it feels safe to people. It feels like people, people no. know that they know what's going on because they... It's because of the lesser of two evils bullshit. It's I mean, what's getting of it, but... what's getting presented to them is controlled. The ballot, everything that goes into ballot access and who who gets on the debate stage and who gets presented on national TV and what light they get presented in, all of that is carefully controlled so that the choices you see are the only ones. And so you have the illusion of choice, but it's actually a controlled set of options. That's so, a nice how, narrative that we like to talk about, and it's true to some degree. But really, if libertarianism was that popular, if our candidates really appealed to people that well, we would be getting the 15% necessary to get into the debates. We would be... It, the news gives time to those who they believe the people want to hear from. And yeah. there's no reason to believe that the American people even want to hear from libertarians right now. But why, Sam, in a first-past-the-post electoral system where the vast majority of already engaged voters believe that, again, keeping in mind that the vast majority of voters do not look at principle, they do not look at policies, they vote based on their influence circles, their social circles, and uh, whichever type of media they consume. So if they're on the right, they're consuming Fox News, Breitbart, the Heritage, whatever. If they're on the left, they're consuming uh, CNN, MSNBC, uh, Late Night Talk, uh, uh, Young Turks, whatever. And so between that and their social circles, their spheres of influence are telling them, well, the better half of this terrible thing is I, I, I can't possibly waste my vote in even one election cycle for this third party because, you know, I, I, if I do, then the terrible people on this side could win. And the people over here are saying, if I even waste my vote one single time for these libertarians or Green Party or what, any third option, because it's not ranked choice or whatever, it's going to, you know, I, I, th this side's going to lose or this side's going to win and everything terrible from that's going to happen. They, they've catastrophized and it's why we joke about the most important election of our lifetimes. The whole thing has been catastrophized, which is why if you get reach out to people who a are sick of the entire thing or, or and, and think none of their present options are good or b people that just think the whole thing they're just not interested in it and you present something that at times is cartoonish at all times is satirical but also has a serious message behind it specifically talking about vermin and myself we're, the, we're we're one of the candidates that have the entire libertarian party platform and actually talk about it um, you know, uh, 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 Vermin was just on the uh, Mises Caucus at, uh, AMA where he was talking about his actual philosophy. And he did joke at times, but he was also talking about specific philosophy. But, but for the vast majority of people who, if they've already decided 
one of two things. Either they're going to vote for a suit or they're not going to vote for a suit. When you present to them this, this what, what appears at first glance to be yet another prepackaged option of someone coming up and doing the, the you know, doing the, 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 the phony looks and, 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 and I shouldn't even say phony looks, the, the polished professional looks that often is used by phony people and, and the, the polished talking points that they never veer from and all of that stuff, they're going to look at it and it, the one sniff, they're going to say, no, this is the same thing that the other two are offering, which means either if they are active voters, they're just going to keep voting Republican or Democrat. And if they're not active voters, they're going to say, yeah, no, that's fine. I'm going to continue not voting. So in a situation where right now, victory to us would mean 5% and, and, you know, blowout victory would mean, you know, getting polling high enough to actually make it to the debate stage. The idea of, 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 of completely sloughing off the nearly half of voters who, if their vote counted, none of the above would win in every single state. I just think is, is it's, it's, it's easy enough to just ignore them and say, oh, well, you know, they're all doing it because they're too busy and they're not interested. There are certainly some that are like that. But I think to discount half the country is just, you know, as just, you know, just being too busy and nothing could possibly shake them from it. And if anything could shake them from it, it's going to be someone acting completely out there for them to say, I have to see what this is about, even if for two minutes. And they go in and then they actually hear that we have an actual message. I think that that I think at the very least, you know, it's like, uh, 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 you know, Gary Johnson said, try being libertarian with me one time. We're saying try being audacious with us one time. Let's see how it works. If it didn't work, what's the worst thing that could happen? We still only get single digits. The worst thing that could happen would be destroying all of the tremendous momentum that Gary has built the past two election cycles, getting record setting vote totals both times. Look at a graph of libertarian presidential vote totals over the past, over the, since the party's inception in 1971, Gary Johnson has achieved a tremendous amount of momentum in just the past two cycles because he was a credible, experienced, actual politician who people felt was a was a valid option for them to vote for, even if that's you know one in twenty. One in seventeen or so people—that's that's way more than we've ever gotten before. Because they could look at him and say that, "Wow, this is a guy with actual experience, who actually knows what it's like to govern. He's not just some clown, part of a social club who wants to be edgy." They could see that he, you know, this guy could actually, if he won, he could actually do the job. That's what people want to see. Even those who are disengaged in politics know that it's important to have somebody in charge who can actually do the job. And somebody like Vermin Supreme, a clownish performance artist, is not that person. And people look at that and they say, this isn't even a political party. This is a performance art movement. And they're they're not going to waste their vote on that if they vote at all. And if they don't vote, they're certainly not going to go out and register to vote to vote for a clown. You're talking about... First of all, well, I want to give John a chance because we've completely shut out John. John, <laughs> I want to get your thoughts on this. About what specifically? Just about this whole argument about whether, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to try to get you to defend or, or, or criticize Vermin, but just the idea that uh, what Sam's saying, that, you know, uh, the presence of people treating this in a somewhat satirical manner or acting audaciously is going to harm or even destroy the party. I mean, I, I think we have to try something different than what we're doing. I mean, if, whether that's someone like Vermin Supreme or someone, some kind of radical libertarian, I don't think Bill Weld is inspiring. I mean, Johnson's just fine, but I don't, I don't think he's going to start some kind of movement. Inspiring doesn't matter. Like, that's Bernie does, Sanders though. is inspiring. Ron Paul was inspiring. Neither of those Bernie people Bernie Sanders won. is actually starting some kind of movement. I mean, as much as we he disagree didn't with win, him. He did win, and he's not going to win. 
but he has people rallying behind him and that changing doesn't their matter views. he's not going to win it absolutely matters why it doesn't because matter the, because the people who control the media and who gets on the stage have decided otherwise no that really is not why it's because people don't care about radical people are afraid of radicalism it's people documented that the democratic party sunk their own progressive movement that's documented if yeah, people are scared of radicalism if ta- uh, sam if if they're scared of radicalism why did they just vote for donald trump and i know that he didn't win the popular vote whatever 46 percent of voters which works out to 23 percent trump eligible is not voters. as radical as you would like to think that he is he just says things louder than his predecessors have and he got people's attention in a incredibly crowded field of of candidates uh, he he did two things. He he made the biggest noise, and through his antics, he caused his the people that were against him to get so riled up that they couldn't often think straight, and 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 were constantly presenting everything he said as the worst thing yes. ever. To the point where, but here's the thing. We joke about TDS, but what he did accomplish is. Every single time he said something, people said this was the this is the worst thing we've seen in our in our in our politic of the time, which was true. And then you do something even worse, and they go, "This is the worst thing that we've ever seen." And, and it was true. But what he was able to accomplish was effectively uh, inoculating himself to people even being surprised that he does anything anymore. Um, in a similar fashion, if and I'm seeing it already right now in the Libertarian nomination con- contest, the way that that Vermin and and I mean I've, I've been in the candidacy for less than two weeks now uh, officially, but or I guess just over two weeks, but seeing reactions to what we're doing in a lighthearted manner is making them look foolish because they're so angry about it all the time. And it's actually attracting people to us because when they get all angry, we just continue to be fun and have a fun time. And That's not a br- good. It's like politics isn't supposed to be a j- It's not a joke. It's literally life it and death joke. for people. It's not a joke. It, like, politics literally is life and death for, for many, many people. And it's something to be taken seriously. I mean, seriously. the state of the that we- politics is a joke. Hold on, go ahead, John. What was that? That it's, it's a tragedy. I wouldn't know. I don't know that it's a joke per se. It's not a joke that kids are being locked in cages on the border and being molested by border patrol agents. That's not a joke, and that's the reality of politics. Is things like this. So when we we try to satirize and just sit back on our ivory tower and go, "Oh, isn't this so silly?" And that happens and, no matter which side wins. That's the joke. That's yeah. The, the no, joke it's isn't not. That it's that's not the happened. same thing. Sam, Even though, that... yeah. Obama deported more people than anybody. We still don't have kids being raped in cages on the border. There's a substantive difference between the two parties. And any that's the worst libertarian line that we have, is both parties are the same. We, we're the only ones who are different. Both parties are the same. Everybody knows that both parties are not the same thing. And the more that you say that, the less you appeal well, to anybody. I want to push back on that, Sam. They are the same in the methodology that they use to implement their policies. They initiate force their authoritarian parties. And by and casting ourselves... substantively different in, in the way that they use that power. Sure, they, they're still not, not within an anarchist yeah, subtext not, of how they apply their vision. They're still using but, state power, but what they do with the state power is different. And if you try to tell a... a people in the middle... Go and that, tell people yeah, in the Middle East. You're gonna they are substantively people. not different from the libertarian point of view. Yes, we need to view. play their game to win. They, are the, they control the game. They are the game. They've won the game every single time for the past 300 years we need to play the game to win and to get kids out of cages 
why would we play their game if it's been demonstrated that they're not going to let us actually participate in the game except from like barely on the sidelines? Why would we not completely sub subvert we haven't their shown game ourselves, using major until media? Gary Johnson, we have not shown ourselves worthy of even trying to play the game. Sam, you're telling us that we should not try to be worthy as an anti-authoritarian party, and that is our entire core. That is what sets the top apart from the bottom. And it needs to turn at a 90 degree. A reframe is needed, a drastic reframe. Not going to happen. Dress, things that are drastic do not happen. We need an incremental failure, change. And the, yeah, but the failure like of the paleo libertarian strategy. If you pull it slowly, oh, it will okay, stretch. Okay. If you pull it tight, it will snap and you will achieve nothing. Sad. That is, the failure that is of the paleo libertarian strategy is that it tried to play incremental change with the right. It tried to scoop from that gray area where there were quasi you know disenchanted people but who were still statists and create narratives that appeal to their underlying authoritarian tendencies without like trying to flip that logic and unfortunately you're never going to get people who are staunch anti-authoritarians without addressing that it's a different I way i don't get the care world. about staunch anti-authoritarians that's like one well, then, one hundredth of one percent of the public—they don't matter. They're insignificant. They have no statistical significance in the in any election whatsoever. We could win without right. them, and we won't win with them. We so, how them. do you respond to that reality? How do, we, how do we need them? There's like there's, we need more of them. There's like a hundred of them in the country. They don't matter. They're not going to win an election. What We're is not the point of having a, a majority authoritarian vote? Who even wants that? How does because, that set us free? Because I don't care who the people who are voting for us are. I care that who they are voting for. But I don't. This is a re it's I a representative need our voters system. to be libertarians. I need our candidates yeah, to be libertarians. You yeah. If you are a congressperson, no, you... you need anti-authoritarian constituents, or they're not going to back you up and reelect you. Yes, yeah, you, you must represent. An Nobody votes on policy. Use the talking. Say, say I ran in Seattle for city council or something. I would, I would talk like a progressive Democrat. Still support the policies policies that I do. Christ, I have Milton Friedman as my page's avatar. I would still support those kinds of policies, but just frame them in a progressive way. Everybody would eat it up. And I'm not saying I would win if I won, but that's the way that I would go about it. And if if more libertarians went about the, just we need to we need to sound like the other parties Sam, we need this is why we missed the boat on sex work this is why we missed the boat on queer liberation this is why we missed the boat on the drug war it's why we are now missing the boat on oh crap we had a list earlier there's something else we're missing the boat on right freaking now because we were told to downplay our anti-authoritarianism to appeal to moderate voters and when we do that eventually the progressive left picks up our narrative and runs with it. And we get really statist, disgusting versions of those things. And then the Libertarian Party tries to come back in and go, oh, it was in our platform since the 70s. Well, no, because you put it down on the back burner because you were embarrassed and you were afraid to own it. And so you don't get to come back and be like, oh, look at me. I had it in my platform the whole time. No. Like, you were you have putting the weirdest it... criticism of the paleo movement. For me, the problem with the paleo movement was that it was racist and sexist and homophobic and Islamophobic. Your problem with it seemed to just be the the strategy in a general sense. That was wasn't even just the paleos. Yeah, he wasn't talking Those about the paleos. The he was he was talking about the entirety of the Libertarian Party. That in order after 
presenting a, an incredibly radical platform that, that supported people's self-ownerships and self-determination and their human rights, it then turned around and looked at opinion polls that said that, you know, maybe that wasn't a good thing to talk about. So instead they focused on the Fed and taxes or, or whatever and missed the I don't know the how boat. the Fed was ever a winning issue. There's no way that any polling supported well, it obviously never that anybody was. cared about the Fed. But nobody they, they, they nobody cares the point, about the, the federalism. The point is that they focused on what they thought would be what would be winning and would not alienate the people in their group and the people in in, in whatever polling. We just saw this with Joe Jorgensen at, at the South the Carolina only. at the South Carolina convention. She was asked a very simple question about sex work that she should, should have been able to knock out of the park, and she said, "Well, uh, if I were asked that, I would just say I'm not going to talk about it, and that I'd rather talk about the income tax." And that's probably sunk her campaign because no, because the fa- the idea of not even talking about your platform, Sam. If you if you won as a progress uh, running as essentially a progressive Democrat who couched your uh, your policies in progressive sounding terms, which is fine. But if you didn't change the culture and you somehow by a fluke got elected to city council as a result of doing that, and then actually tried to implement your 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 policies, not only would that not happen, but all of the other actual progressive Democrats there would immediately te- torpedo any chance of, of you ever being able to get reelected because you essentially didn't necessarily lie to the voter, but you deceive them to the extent that they're going to say, no, that's not what we thought we were electing you for. Okay, it, 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 to address so, that, if I okay, could well, jump no, in. Well, no, for hold one, on. hold, no, that's hold, a bold hold, move hold, to assume hold, that people actually pay attention to what candidates do after they're elected. They listen to the talking exactly points, they vote, and they watch. never do anything afterward. Yeah, it, what, what about him? I'm just saying that's what happened to him. When his constituents found out he wasn't a real Republican or whatever, he had to flip independent and he was not going to get reelected. He very well may get elected. I think there's a a majority chance that he will get reelected. But anyway, what he did is a model of what we should do is run and then govern how we actually want to govern. And if we do a good enough job of it, especially at a a level like city council, where we can actually have some meaningful impact. If we could do a good job and show that we produce good outcomes, then people won't care that we misportrayed ourselves or whatever. We'll, We'll demonstrate... We need the chance to demonstrate that our policy works because it's counterintuitive to most people when you try to describe it. Okay, well, what you just, that's fraud to achieve a political goal. So I just want to, you guys, can I go to my roast? Because I have that (laughs) gross feeling that I get from like arguing. And this is like, it's very two years ago. Like this whole Prags versus Rads thing, it's, it's very outdated, and I don't like how this makes me feel. Okay. So we're can gonna, I do my so, roast, and yeah, let's so, like look to the future? So, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to agree to disagree on this, and um, after uh, Vermin and I, our president and vice president, I will have Sam back on to issue a mea culpa uh, to you and to, uh, to the American people. Um, but yes, let's go on with the uh, roast. Oh, first of all, let me stop real quick and talk about uh, the Mary Toothbrush campaign. Uh, which is to help the homeless uh, in the Myrtle Beach area as well as the Vermin Supreme campaign. We have these toothbrushes that have been signed by Vermin, and we have many more of them, uh, that for a donation to the campaign of uh, $10 or for $10, uh, we will uh, put your name next to this one. And uh, we've been sending these out all week. Uh, Put your name next to this one, next to the the toothbrush, and uh, give it as part of a care package to local homeless people. Uh, And of that $10, uh, $5 will go towards uh, Dignity Ministry, and the other half will go towards the Vermin Supreme campaign. Uh, For any donation of $25 or more, 
uh, I will also sign this and we'll actually mail it to you so that you have a, a memento of when you helped your future president and vice president help the homeless. And of course, uh, the proceeds from that 25 or more, half of it will go to the Berman campaign and the other half will go to Dignity Ministry. Now, now is the time of the Sam Coppinger roast. Uh, and we will uh, start with that. Uh, what we will do is first we'll have John Hudak uh, do his roast. And again, you can roast everyone. You can roast me. You can roast whomever. Sam is the primarily intended recipient of the roasting. But uh, we will, uh, we will, you can roast whomever you want. And then after that, Sam will get a chance to uh, roast us. And then I will go through and see if anyone left any roasts of uh of sam that we can we can present sam you have to actually score each of these roasts of you um and uh i guess we can score the roast of us as well uh so we will start with john john go ahead okay um just want to say that it's kind of odd that sam doesn't read considering that he put the equivalent of the complete works of tolkien on every meme for the last three years sam but people like it. People like the long posts. I've been told many times that my page stands apart from others because of the long posts. That's not a score, Sam. Five out of ten. Oh, that's terrible. Okay, go ahead, John. Sam thinks the Mises Caucus is racist, but even Tom Woods never called anyone Guadalupe out loud. That's garbage. You have to give <laughs> a number. You have to give a number. One. Oh, Sam. Go ahead, John. Okay, I got I, I got another joke. Okay. Bill Wealth. Fair enough. <laughs> that has to you have that that has to get a, a good a good score, Sam. Yeah, that's a that's a seven. Okay. 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 One okay. one more follow up that I have prepared, and then I just got to add lib from there. Okay. Ronald Reagan. Uh oh. Sam. Like. What about him? Ronald Reagan, that's the joke. Okay. That one's less good than Bill Weld. <laughs> Reagan is more complex than Weld is. Weld is to be held by the standards of the present time. Reagan's more of a historical figure. There's more nuance it was involved. the 80s. Uh, yeah, he wasn't that... F I mean, it that was like the Robert 17th Paleo century. Started. Five it's years ago was a long time now. Our politics is accelerating very quickly. The kinds of positions that people have like socially now would have been absolutely unfathomable 10 years ago now they're expected of everybody which is a good thing for the most part but anyway he was a man of the 80s john go ahead um let's see what else i got here i mean i never ended up making the sign but i was gonna hold up something mean on a sign and then say don't worry he won't be mad he doesn't read oh wow <laughs> Oh, and that, that would have been that, that would have been Sam's favorite. What what what's the score for that one, Sam? That's seven or eight. Okay, good, good. Was that was that all you had, John? That's all I have right now. I'm just I'm glad Mike doesn't think I'm a fascist. <laughs> yeah, I was I I fully expected there to be more back and forth on uh uh, uh between Mike and John, and it, it turns out bottom unity is real, folks. Bottom <laughs> unity is. I, I never had any doubt about that. Mike was just saying a little while ago, this is so two years ago. What's so two years ago is is ANCAPs and ANCOMs hating each other. They they seem to realize, most of them now, that they're natural allies, for better or worse. I'm literally going to be the next vice president because of that. Anyway, Mike, go ahead with... Uh... 
Oh, Novels has something to say. Yeah, that was, was, that a, was that a roast from Novels? Um, Mike, go ahead with your That's... with your roast of, of I guess everyone. You said right. things of everyone. So I do have a, a nice unifying and balanced roast for both of my esteemed co-hosts tonight. Um, but I, it was it was really hard to like actually get started right because you're both pretty offensively boring. So it's kind of like trying to come up with you know, a reason to hate oatmeal or a reason to hate like unbuttered white bread or something. <laughs> so I, I, Hudak, I'll give you, you're not just plain white bread. You're like sourdough, right? So you, <laughs> a little bit edgy, but you know, still white bread. So, but I thought about it and I thought, you know, the only thing I really know how to tell you how I really think about you is by using Gen X pop cultural references. So I'm going to start with Sam. Um, Sam, you remind me of Lydia Dietz in Beetlejuice. So she's goth and she's so misunderstood. And the kids at school don't think she's pretty. And her parents moved her to this teeny little town. And now she's stuck in this big house with her weird ass parents. And she's just, she's so ready to just jump from the bridge and die because she's so strange and unusual, right? And you're holding on to this like teenage angst that you have, but like your problem is that you live in a time when rock and roll is dead. So to rebel against the like conformity around you that passes for counterculture, in your mind, you have somehow connected your rebellion with neo-freaking-liberalism. Literally, the ideology of the establishment is your version of being contrarian. So here you are in your little goth haircut, ready to slash your wrist because no one understands you because you're so neoliberal that people don't get it. <laughs> and you're so misunderstood. So, and you know, I talked earlier about how, like, I'm one of the only people that has embraced you um, because I really do want to see you discover that contrarian side of you. I don't think you even can grasp how audacious it is that you walked into the Libertarian Party and named your page unironically after neo-freaking-liberalism. Like, did anybody actually believe you believed in that shit? I know I thought it was a parody. Come to find out, no, you're really a neoliberal. So my hope is that you like, and now the problem is, your audacious friends, quote, at least you have one of them, actually think you're cool. And unfortunately, now your only way out of your contrarian box, but to also get to fit in, which is what you've really always wanted, is you have to make a choice between conforming with the establishment or actually letting go and being the contrarian nonconformist that you really always were. So I don't know how you're going to resolve that, but that's my diagnosis. And I'm excited. We're here ready to welcome you when you are ready to like not conform to the conformity of being a conservative who refuses to wear a tuxedo thong, but probably has one tucked into your drawer quietly at home. All right. So, okay. John. So, oh, wait. Okay. Wait. Sam needs to score all of that at once. That was an extensive roast. Yeah, uh, do you feel I'll roasted? Yeah, feeling sizzly. I'll do a six. Okay, fair Good. enough. Okay, now this is this is John. This is Mike's roast of John. All right. So, um, as far as pop cultural references, you 
are sloth from Goonies. <laughs> so your basic problem is that you're born into a crime family. You're associated with the Mises Caucus, but they don't really love you because you're a social justice warrior at heart. You want to live in a world where racism is a thing of the past. You want to live in a world where fascism doesn't pass as liberty. And they think you're a monster because of that. So you're locked in a little basement in the bottom and you're like crying for a baby Ruth. And your fundamental like freedom is going to come from realizing that you're really a goonie. You are really a goonie. And when you decide to come down the pirate rabbit hole with the rest of your goonie friends, it's when you're going to discover your inner hero. So you too, I would like to welcome over to the anti-fascist side. Come out and be one of us. Because goonies never say die. Sam actually agreed. I saw it that you are a goonie, John. <laughs> and I don't, I don't know. know I think that. I, I don't know how to take it either. A, a lot happened just now. There's a lot of pro- <laughs> I, get, I guess you were you can... a goonie. Michael is not a goonie. Wait, what? Well, who's Michael then? Michael Heiss. He is not a goonie. John is a goonie. Oh, oh I thought you were saying Mike Shipley. Oh. Um, so, John, I guess you can score uh, all of that if you want. I enjoy it. I'll give it a seven. That's good. Mike, no roast of me. You have nothing for eh. me. You're, like, not even offensively boring. You're just so fucking boring, I forgot to do one. That's fair. <laughs> that's fair. No, that's fair. That's actually the most common uh, uh, critique of myself, <laughs> and I appreciate that. Um, no. Fuck. What would be your pop cultural reference? Um, I don't have anything. Sorry. That's fine. That's fine. No, that's good. I, uh... That's good because um, I am my own pop cultural reference, and um, <laughs> it's been going for for a little while now. Um, well, that was so. Let me look through and see if we have uh, if we have any kind of. Uh... Oh, Clayton Hunt uh, said that Mike's roast was longer than a Coppinger meme. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, we got a lot of people laughing. Uh, he also said, it's not a phase. I think that was in reference to Sam. Um, and then this was all before that. Um, no one... Oh, Dane Posner said, I dare you to run against Co- council member Kishama Sawant, Sam. Yeah. I don't Do you know who she is? is Do you guys all the, know who Kishama Sawant is? is that the, that's the she's, Seattle... She's literally a literal socialist. Not like, oh, you know, she's she's literally a socialist. Like, she's probably the furthest left-elected politician in America. And she just won re-election this year, and she was going to lose to a neoliberal Democrat, but the, the after the late ballot votes came in and she won that way, and she feels very energized now to continue her, her anti-capitalist crusade. So I would love to run against her and win. That would be delightful. Is this an announcement? Yeah. Is that? Is this? Is are you seeking the Libertarian nomination for Seattle City Council? (laughs) Well, now she's just been reelected, so I have to wait a few years, don't I? Well, you don't have to replace. Well, I guess yeah, if you want to run, but you could run. So exploratory committee. Yeah, there we go. I'm officially launching my exploratory committee. Um, Ah. You heard it here first. Exploratory <laughs> committee for city council. Um, 
Yeah, I'm, uh... Someone said Sam thinks, and I'm not sure who they were referencing, that they're Untermenschen. Yeah, there's no, uh... There weren't any roasts of Sam here. Everyone loves Sam. Uh, Josh Arizona said, tell Sam I said brackets. I can't hear what you just said that he said said, because tell sam i said brackets oh yeah yeah josh arizona's lovely so is josh smith both delightful people delightful they are for what it's worth josh smith is more pleasant than josh arizona i think he he's more fun but i was very disappointed i was i was legitimately very disappointed by josh smith defending trump on impeachment because I thought that Josh was also a goonie in secret, but I really don't think that's true anymore, and that was depressing because I was starting to kind of like him. Depending on, well, so, I guess you'll have to go home and sleep with your Bill Weld body pillow and cry yourself to sleep. <laughs> Mike was brutal today, and uh, I, I wasn't expecting the brutality. I was expecting it towards me. I was expecting someone to roast me. I'm a little hurt, but I guess I'm just, you know, so likable, I guess is what it is. So, well, that You was- really are. I don't think there's anybody who really dislikes you. You seem to be quite a unifier, Spike. I'm the consensus candidate. <laughs> right here. This. Like, I've, I've really never seen... A- have you even, like, been in an argument with anybody online? I never even see anybody, like, going after you. The rest of the three of us all the time, but... I'm constantly arguing with people online, and everyone loves me, and I don't understand it. I don't get it. I don't get it. This is the future of politics here, folks. Consensus candidate. I am scandal-proof. and apparently I'm what? Inoffensive. I'm inoffensive. Who could be offended by this? The future. This is pragdacious. Pragradacious. Right here. Yes! Yes! The future of pragradaciousism. Right here. Spike Cohen. Now, guys, that was an amazing roast. And it was actually an amazing roast. I was I was a little dreading how that was going to go. Sam, oh, so I guess we're going to, before we, we, we wrap things up, um, I'm going to have everyone bet on, like, the over-under on how many uh, everyone picks i guess the over under on how many days it's going to take before Sam joins team supreme and becomes like our Washington state coordinator and like is whipping votes for us in Austin. Uh John, how many days would you say it would take before that? I'm going to give it 6 months. 6 months? Mm-hmm. J- just past the convention? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Good. Perfect. Mike? Um valentine's day oh that's sweet i like that that's like that's i like that sam how long what's the over under on how long before you are out canvassing for me if vermin gets the nomination i'm leaving the party so so there's a chance i've said that before and it's made many people want to go out and campaign for him so it's not necessarily about when I will start can- campaigning as how many people I will inspire to campaign. I'll take it. I'll take it. If you think that'll help us, then I appreciate it, buddy. Like, if, if, if you're getting out there and, and letting everyone know that you're leaving the party, that you will leave the party if we get the nomination. Will you leave the party if I get the vice presidential nomination or just Vermin? Pretty much just Vermin. I am the consensus 
Look! This is the future of American politics. I'm as shocked you as could, you. You could get in a suit and go stand out with Justin Amash. Definitely not. But I, <laughs> I, I'm as shocked as anyone who might be shocked by this. But no one seems to be dead against me, and I don't understand it because I'm really, I'm actually kind of trying at this point. But we'll see. So, all right, great. So, guys, here's how we're gonna wrap this up. Um, I'm gonna give each of you a chance to talk about what you're planning to do in this year and in this decade, if you want, and to give any kind of holiday wishes you want for uh, the, the 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 rest of us here and for everyone watching. Um, and I will start with uh, Mike. Uh, Mike, tell us your your hopes, dreams, and wishes for yourself and others. Well, so the big thing that I'm focused on right now is my race for chair. Uh, I think it's really exciting that the party has transformed to a point where someone like me could run for chair and have it actually be plausible that I could win. Um, but what's been really fun about this for me is that you know, it's a different kind of thought experiment in terms of, you know, when I was looking at what are the challenges that, you know, when I was chair of Outright, what is standing in the way of, of us reaching out to gender and sexual minorities better and trying to solve that problem. And, you know, I've had a series of, of, of problems and challenges in the party that it was my responsibility to solve. But I've never really put myself in the shoes of the chair and tried to imagine, like, what I would do in that position, right? And so having to perform that thought experiment for this campaign is really challenging me to grow into myself in new, really cool ways. So there are bases that have to be covered and those are not always bases that I had to necessarily challenge myself to cover at all times. I've done electoral campaigns. I've you know, done all the voter registration and all of that, but a lot of the work has also been transformational. So now making sure that like i'm thinking of all of those things and kind of balancing them in my mind in, as priorities it's really cool and i'm just looking forward to seeing the content that comes out i do hope people will vote for me and that i actually get to like implement it but in the meantime i'm just enjoying the sort of growth that i'm going through it's fun so um follow my page and donate if you want to see more of it and uh we'll go from there Okay, uh, before we go to John's uh, wishes, uh, we have a late entry uh, to the roast. Dane C. Posner says, uh, Sam's mom is so white uh, that when she gave birth to Sam, uh, she called it birth of a nation. <laughs> That's <laughs> Sam, pretty good. Sam, what's the score on that? What's the score on that? A score, Sam. Hello? A score of a number for it? Uh, eight. Eight. Okay. Your That's audio it. is almost gone, but... I, I'm sorry. I'm doing my best here. I'm sorry. Um, and, okay, good. So, John, here is your time to give your uh, wishes for yourself, uh, hopes and dreams, and everything else. Go ahead. Okay, well, I'll keep this short and sweet, but I'm the head admin at Fakertarians. We're a page that calls out people that we think are distorting or co-opting the liberty movement, like the alt-right or tankies or any kind of mix of people like that. Um, and we're going on, I'm going on uh, the Road to Liberty podcast on Monday at 10 p.m. Eastern with another one of the admins. And 
this year, I hope to convince Sam to finally use those Hooked on Phonics DVDs I bought him. Look at on that. Ouch. Okay, Sam, hopes and dreams for yourself and the whole world for this year and uh, and the decade. Uh, I mean, I'd like to continue to grow the uh, page, the LMNT page. Uh, and the group. I think the group is interesting. I'm actually, honestly, I'm more interested in the group than I am at the page right now. Most of the pa- uh, posts on the page are made at like 11 p.m. scheduled to go up the night before, made very reluctantly because I feel I have an obligation to it. But the, I think interesting things are happening in the group. And what I think this group is that other libertarian groups are not as a place where libertarians, progressive Democrats, uh, Never Trump Republicans, centrists, moderates, neoliberals can all share ideas together. Whereas usually every other group other than libertarians are afraid to join libertarian groups because libertarians are so crazy and act wild and have very out of the ballpark ideas. But I think that my group is creating a platform where people can have a productive discussion and influence one another in meaningful and helpful ways. I hope we can continue to do that. Okay. And my hope and wish for everyone, for myself and everyone watching is that I can, in the most effective way possible, spread the message of self-ownership and liberty and uh, non-aggression with good cheer and the, and the cheer of a sweet summer boy that I always present. Uh, and uh, I hope to continue to grow the Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus, which started as a joke and has become this like really awesome space for us to hang out and talk with each other. Uh, I hope to help uh, Vermin Supreme become the next president of the United States. And if people choose me for his running mate to be the vice president of the United States, then that'll be great. And I just wish for each of you uh, that are watching to have uh, just the best, most prosperous, happy and healthy time of your lives moving forward from here. Um, guys, thanks again for, for tuning in and, uh, be sure to tune in, uh, next week, uh, Tuesday for the Muddy Waters of Freedom, where Matt Wright and I will be parsing through the week's events, like the, the winter elves that we are. And, uh, and then, uh, next week we will have an episode of My Fellow Americans. I don't have a guest yet, but I'm sure we'll have a great guest. And, uh, I will, uh, thanks again for tuning in. Thanks for, uh, sticking around while the audio was weird at the beginning. And, uh, thank you again for joining us for this very special episode of, uh, a very Coppinger Ukrainian Christmas. Thanks again for tuning in and God bless you.